Absolutely. Uh, who's introducing the block? Sorry. Oh, no. Uh, block, you, who? Uh, you. Oh, no. Oh, actually, I it's can, fine. I, I came I, up with I a can... contingency. I got it. I got okay. it. No. Off the contingency. This is why you're organized, and I am just shit. <laughs> start. No. I was going to say start as we mean to go on, but end as we mean to go on. I guess, right? Right. Right. God. Wow. <laughs> Greetings, citizens. Welcome to Drock, the monthly read-through of Judge Dredd, the complete case files, or so it was. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so it used to be. So it used to be, yes. Just last month, we caught up with the uh, most currently released uh, edition of Judge Dredd, the complete case files, volume 40, and then we decided to do a victory lap for this episode, um, but before I get to that, uh, the contents therein, let me introduce myself. I am Jeff Lester, and with me, my beautiful and talented co-host. Greg McMillan. Hi. Hi, everyone. Yes. Hello. And we are coming to you live from dun, 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 John Wagner Block. <gasps> Jeff! In... That's the same one I was going to do. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. We're going to be talking about Day of Chaos, which is, in fact, where John Wagner Block does, in, in fact, make its appearance. And I feel it's that... It's kind of wonderful, isn't it? Yeah. When I saw that, I had the moment of like, good, finally. Yeah. Right? Um, and it's interesting because it really, if ever there's a point where, uh, at least for, for me, Graham going through so many episodes of Drock and reading literally thousands of pages of, of Judge Dredd, and then to sort of wrap it up with Day of Chaos, which is entirely written by Wagner and is just a stunning Judge Dredd story, um, that, that block feels so earned. There's so many, yeah. like, completely tacky, cutesy, in-jokey type, things that pop up in comics all the time some of them good some of them amusing but a lot of them are you know they're sort of sentimental shtick they're 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 funny because you recognize it um and and so therefore i think has a tendency to feel a little unearned but holy cow when you see john wagner block on that page it it feel it really felt right um so yeah i'm so glad that we were both in sync for what our our final city block that we were podcasting live would be. By the way, listeners, I want to apologize. I was going to create a uh, city map of all the uh, blocks that we had um, talked from live because there was a lot of them. And uh, unfortunately, there was too many of them. I made it in about 14 <laughs> episodes and then just unfortunately life caught up with me. Like I really this had is episode like... 46. So there would have been 45 and then this one. So that's, that's, that would be quite a map. Yeah, like, that, that's quite. So, but it, Graham, if you don't mind, I will, I will run through the first 14 for those people who are curious. Please. So episode one, Harry Nielsen block. Uh, episode two, 
Jan Michael Vincent Block. Episode 3, Robert Is It Too Soon Mueller Block. Uh, episode 4, Susan Anton Block. Uh, episode 5, Reg Dwight Block. Uh, episode 6, Gio Pontecervo Block. Hmm. Uh, episode 7, Bella Lugosi Block. Episode 8, Olivia James Block. Uh, episode 9, David Owen Block, but I also chose the uh, alternative of the Dooning Kruger Block. Uh, episode 10 is amazing because we're talking about the restricted case files. I was supposed to pick it. You even asked me if I was going to pick an ape-related name for the block, and I'm like, no, and then we start talking about that. I made it about 20 minutes into the episode, and as far as I know, I n we never got to the block, so I could be wrong. <laughs> that, that sounds like I was last year. Yeah, exactly. Episode 11 I is you either saying Ian McDermott block or Ian McDermott block, which I don't... I'm fairly sure it's Ian McDermott. Yeah, that's what I would think, because when I lo went looking at Ian McDermott, I'm like, that makes no sense. But, you know, the Palpatine guy. But I was also kind of like, why? Episode 12, Robert Louis Stevenson block. Episode 13, Alice Eve block, which interesting choice. And episode 14, Kenny Rogers block. So we go on from there. But <laughs> I was going to say, we, we I think we kept the proud Mega City 1 naming convention alive. I think so. I, I have to say, looking at that group... That very much reads like if you, you know, the same feeling that I have frequently when I see a building name in the back where I'm like, what the hell? So it is. Funny. Yeah, I, either I get that or what the shit. Yeah, or what the shit. I'm also or, impressed like early on you were very much like, oh, whatever block comes to me. Like Harry Nelson block and Reg Dwight block are so you. And it and they're literally <laughs> like Reg Dwight. You're like, yeah, because I just saw Rocket Man. I'm like, oh. Whereas you you sweat bullets over it, I do. Geo Pontecervo block, which I think was I, no, exactly. Good job. Yeah, right. And I know that I had another one that was a good shout out to uh, the character, one of the characters from Bino. So part of me is like, I would love to 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 map that all out, but alas, listeners, like you said, that Graham, that's that's kind of you get enough of a taste to know that we hopefully kept um, held that banner. Uh, high. We kept kept to the standard. So that ship has sailed. I'm going to say really quickly: Day of Chaos is a strip that ran in 2008 Progs 1700 through 1789. Wow! All told, it's actually 1700 1704, and then jumps all the way ahead, mm -hmm. basically to 1740 through 1789, with one missing episode. 1752 is not included in this collection. It's the one episode of Day of Chaos that is not written by John Wagner. Interesting. Um, it's a fill-in. It, it actually is a fill-in mm. uh, to to let the whatnots who have read Day of Chaos and you, Jeff, know. Yeah. It, it it takes place after Dread, it, while Dread is recovering and has mm -hmm. the neck brace on, mm -hmm. and is Dread showing up to the Academy of Law to talk to kids who are being inducted into the Academy of Law mm. and their parents about basically why it's a good thing to surrender your life for the law. Mm. That that it, it's by Michael, written by Michael Carroll. It's a it's a good episode. You know, right. it, it's it's fine. It doesn't. It's a fill in. Like it, it, it would stand out here. Mm -hmm. You know, it fits in terms of continuity because again, Dread is wearing the neck brace. But it, you know, 
Day of Chaos is very much its own beast. It's a sprawling, dramatic beast, mm -hmm. but tonally it's very consistent. Mm -hmm. And that villain would stand out as, oh, this is the one that Wagner didn't do. It's also, there's uh, magazine episodes from 307, 308, and 310. Right. Well. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. You know, of course, we were used to talking about what the year was because it was... 20, 2010 through 2012. Right. Uh, uh, yes. Um, which, mean, which means we've jumped ahead like six years. Right. And one thing that I thought that I would start with is... Uh, so one of the things that's really funny is, is this comes as close in a way for me as all, all but being first circ full circle because by the time the day of chaos ends i think is more or less really close to where i started reading 2000 ad for the first time so oh interesting yeah there's so, a, so you're you're like i know where i know where i am i, I know what's happening here well you know the thing that is interesting is sort of in that weird like from where it ends up i'm kind of like oh okay i kind of get why where the story started why everyone's still talking like this is a this is a thing because yes. when you read it because <laughs> this is a thing it's yeah. a thing you know yeah. um like i said we skipped ahead six years from where we left off the the case files you can sort of catch up on a bunch of stuff. The one thing that I think is important to point out is you've missed a mega epic in between these in, in that space. Right. The mega epic is Judge Dread Origins, the plot of which is the judges discover that, as opposed to what they believed, um, Judge Fargo's still alive. Mm. Mm. Um, Fargo is the, the the man who created the justice system as it currently stands, and he's also the man that Dread is cloned from. Origins is it's it's a twofold plot. One is a flashback to the origins of the justice system, and two is Dread's quest to recover Fargo. Right. The important thing about this, as it leads into Day of Chaos, is Fargo dies at the end of Origins. Mm -hmm. He is brought to Mega City One. He is he's been in in um, stasis basically. He's mm -hmm. brought to Mega City One. He's he's uh, he's revived. I think Hershey is the chief judge at that point. I might be misremembering. Mm -hmm. But he basically tells the chief judge, like, you know, I'm so proud of everything you've done. Mm -hmm. And then he asks to speak to Dredd, and he says to Dredd, this was never meant to be a permanent solution. Right. This this, this is this is a, a bad system. It, it, like, this is this is not good. Right. And, and, you know, we have seen in the case files that Dredd is... Doubts may be a bit strong, but mm -hmm. Dredd is certainly realizing that the system is not perfect yeah okay right right and he still you know still believes it and still wants to uphold it but he's he's coming to realize that it's not infallible and that sometimes you have to do something that is outside of the system for a greater good right mm -hmm. we've seen it rarely but we have seen it mm -hmm. fargo telling him that simultaneously shakes him and does not shake him mm -hmm. right it's dread so he continues to do what he continues to do Mm -hmm. Okay, he continues to be a judge. He does not like resign or anything dramatic like that. No. He does, however, in the space of origins, discover that he has family in the Curse Earth. Mm. Fargo has family. Hmm. There is the Fargo clan. Wow. And the Fargo clan are these wonderfully cartoonish, like lawmen of the Curse Earth who have cartoonishly big chins. <laughs> Like just um, and it's it almost always a scare drawing them, so they have like a wonderfully drawn, uh, cartoonishly big chins. Oh, man. Um, but they're mutants, mm -hmm. right? 
Andred has all along been like, well, mutants and the cursed earth, like there's, there, we have very strict guidelines. No, this, right. this is, this is a hard line. And as a result of what happens with Fargo telling him that, and as a result of him meeting family, he begins to push for reform in Mega City One, specifically right. about mutants mm-hmm. and should mutants be allowed into the city. He really pushes it, like he, he, arguably more than he has before or since, puts his reputation on the line mm-hmm. to push for for reform for this. And because he is dread, and because he has such a standing in in the Justice Department, they basically go along with it. They're not happy with it. Mm-hmm. And they don't give him full reform, but they give significant more reform than I think they would have any other way. It doesn't go great. Mm-hmm. It's the short version. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Strangely enough, if you have an incredibly xenophobic society, you can't all of a sudden just change things by being like, they're okay after all. <laughs> and so it just doesn't really work out right? Uh, in any respect. And so none of that really ties into Day of Chaos, but it's worth sort of letting everyone know that as we head into this like really fairly extensive deconstruction slash destruction of Mega City One, mm-hmm. that Dread has Dread is not in the same place as he was. Mm-hmm. You know, he is he is very much in a different place. But because again it's Dread, you could read this book not knowing that, and that's fine. <laughs> Well, so the two things I thought was interesting, because there is actually a one-panel flashback to Dread and Fargo. Yeah. Yeah. But Origins is followed by, it's called Tour of Duty or Tours of Duty? Tour, singular. Yeah. Singular. Tour of Duty, which also has elements that tie into this. The strongest of which is, uh, which I haven't read, but I think is hilarious, is, is that Mega City 1 more or less gets... Uh, the best mayor that they've ever had, and it turns out to be <laughs> PJ, PJ maybe. maybe. Yeah, yeah, so that it, itself is also, uh, I, I think, a very strong element because maybe uh, weaves through Day of Chaos, and in particular his previous status makes things very um, difficult and complicated. I, I have to say I love the PJ maybe thing. I love honestly the, the the best mayor of, of Mega City One is PG maybe, mm. like the, he actually like not like he actually was a good mayor, right? Yeah, you know I it's didn't... like like it's not a, it's not a gag, it's not a bit. Yeah, like he actually was a good mayor. He supported the judges, but he also like pushed for reforms. Like he was actually a good mayor. Yeah, it's just that he was also PG maybe. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I think there's something that's really brilliant in that, uh, and and that in so. I very much sort of want to jump back and look at that in, in honestly, but uh, the thing that strikes me, Graham, because this is this is the thing, is as you point out, we jump six years from the end of essentially from from the end of uh, volume forty of complete case files into this, and one of the things that really struck me is how much colder and crueler uh, Dread is at the opening of this. Um, One thing that was actually quite strange for me was, and and almost disappointing, is is where we leave it in 40, um, Dread has family ties. He's got Mm -hmm. Rico and he's got his niece, 
starts with a V whose name I can't. Vienna. Vienna. Why is it? Why is it? Ah, Vienna. I'll never get it. Well, anyway, and I, I'll never have to worry about it after today. <laughs> um, but Vienna. And so when this started and, and for the, like, I don't know, 70 or 80 pages in, I was like, oh, shit. Did they die? Is that why Did Dredd is such Vienna? a cold <laughs> bastard? Did they finally kill off Vienna? Did Vienna and Rico both die? Because seriously, there's a, there is a lot of Dread. Oh gosh. So Dread has ascended to the Council of Five uh, for yes. various reasons. So he is, um, he's, he's really at the top. He's in the group of judges that more or less run everything. And of course, Dread and he hates Dredd. it. <laughs> hates it. Hates it. And it, an interesting contrast to him in the pit where the pit is him actually supervising judges that are on the streets and he himself is close to the streets. Um, the sort of stuff that the council is dealing with is stuff that for the most part he finds genuinely like both stultifyingly dull and just just hates it with a passion and is more you more or less see him actively making excuses to get out of meetings just so that he can go patrol the streets um but his maybe that is part of it but the first opening quote-unquote arc of day of chaos the skinning room is a story about a serial killer but that is is sort of nestled within the larger move of dread saying that the populace has gotten unruly and a little out of hand and they more or less take a uh a sector sector 50 and um make an example out of it by going building like door to door and busting everyone and you see dread saying there is we are you know essentially no mercy so the book is interesting to me because it starts off where i'm like dread is really cold and in the skinning room as well there's this there's a thing that feels like it's going to be a subplot for a story later but um in a, in a real i think parallel i think to the story of chris kyle and american sniper there is a judge sniper that that kills people relatively violently right off the streets you also see him like wounding people but there's literally things of him just blowing the hands off of people that are for minor infractions and it just seems to be the tenor of where mega city one is at which is not a good place and a real shocking place for me again considering where we left things at um in 2004 because i feel that in volume 40 we get through some you know it's the judges versus total war and as wagner does he swings back and forth throughout the series kind of about maybe maybe doesn't change his mind about things but he certainly changes his mode of expression about the judges and that's very much in a 
more veiled kind of the fanatics are on both sides of the system, but mm-hmm. very much with the presence of, of Hershey, as you pointed out, a lot of the creeping rot in the judge system, which had become sort of such a, a go-to, had been backburnered. So seeing the viciousness within which citizens are being gunned down um, violently uh, is, in a way, an amuse-bouche for the, 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 the just horribleness to follow. But it, it did it strike you the same way that this is kind of like... Yes and no. Like, I feel like the, the, the skidding room is a very good, like you said, amuse-bouche. It's a very good setting in place. That, like, the city's kind of on edge. Yeah. Like, it's kind of a breaking point already. Mm-hmm. You know, and, the, you know, this is this is a story from, from Prox 1700, 1704. So this is like half a year before the start of Day of Chaos proper. Right, right. But you get to see that everyone is kind of a breaking point mm-hmm. and that things are bad. Something that I didn't say in terms of, like, this, the stories that we've also missed is that we've missed a whole thing about chief judges, mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. Hershey's right. been replaced by Dan Francisco, who then gets replaced by Sinfield, who turns out to be corrupt, who then gets replaced again by Dan Francisco. Everyone's faith in the justice system has been shaken, including the judges. Right. At right. this point. Which also adds, I think, to the sense of things are like things feel broken. Yes. Right? Things feel broken and dangerous in a way that, like you said, it didn't in the last case files. But honestly, I'm not sure it really has at any point before this. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, well, I think good to know. Sorry. Yeah. No, 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 no. no. There's, there's a. Uh, uh, well, I mean, in theory, like you know, you could say that things should have felt this broken after like Judge Cal, but that was like year two of the strip, right? Right. right. Like it wasn't the Judge Dread that we know now. Mm. I think Day of Chaos, as a whole, is um, is a really complex story and is a story about a lot of things. But one of the things that I think it's about is about the idea that it's a system breaking down. Mm. It's not just that the 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 Russians are, are striking back against Mega City One. It's that Mega City One's such a fucking mess that everyone drops the ball. Right. And and they say that, like that's that's not even subtext. Right. At the very end you have so many people basically taking responsibility for their own fault in it and saying like we could have stopped this mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. could have we had multiple uh, points where we could have prevented this and we didn't the two things that i think are interesting that, that i just want to embellish on is is that the skinning room also is how do i put it it's it's a an excellent primer for the tone of day of chaos but it's not actually tied in like it wasn't until the second or third time through that there's not really anything in the skinning room that ties back into the larger threads no, it, so. it, it, it is it is very much a city on the knife edge story yeah exactly. I, honestly, it, to be cynical i think it's there because it's a wagner written story mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, because there be, there comes a point where rebellion just start collecting wagner stories in wagner only collections and so it might literally have just fallen in that and you know it was available and they were like well we're putting day of chaos together so Right, well, right. Really stick it here. Yeah, uh, but it does sort of mm-hmm. speak to the idea that this is fucked. <laughs> yeah, 
the city is is really fucked. Um, so, but before we go further, more in depth, I think the two things that I I want to say is, um, I I got it. I'm really glad that I read Day of Chaos now, <laughs> because I think if I had read it three years earlier I would have been in severe um, state of uh, frothing conspiracy nut because a lot of Day of Chaos feels for a story that was written back in you know uh, 2010 to 2012 or whatever it is feels very much like if you had told me like oh yeah like it was written in 2025 <laughs> after john about, wagner yeah. like did the covid after we all went through the pandemic then i i'd be like oh i really see it it's creepy as shit reading this book there are points where my blood ran cold where it's like covid and police you know the police riots in cities and flames which you know again describes sort of a chunk of how they were talking about portland during a lot of this stuff like a lot of the black lives matter protests and even in a way the the fundamental way i think in which people stopped believing the police um, yeah. in, and to the point where it didn't even necessarily matter that people like that the police like kind of what happens here. There's a, an amazing fucking sequence where what is leaked out is a bit of disinformation about how the judges are planning on handling the plague victims which is a truly horrifying solution and everyone sees it and believes it. And the judges have to spend ridiculous amounts of time trying to convince people. And it's more or less the final match. Like up till that point, there is such an escalating sense of things are under control, but then one more thing happens or one yeah. more bad break happens, but it looks mm -hmm. like it's just about ready to happen. Like, everything's fine but the thing that is really interesting is is that at the core of it what ends up being the the final match to set off the whole tinderbox is the fact that the judges no one believes the judges no one's believed the yeah. judges for yeah. years and so in the clutch when it's time to actually literally believe in the government no one can bring themselves to do it and which is which is such a wonderful thing you know yeah. the the moment where you see again like as you're saying like when you basically see you know chaos day truthers mm -hmm. going well why would i believe them they lie yeah yeah this and is just you, a lie made up by the government it's just a cold is i think and you're, you're literally struck with this moment of like I understand this on an atomic level. Yeah, right? You know, like, I've seen this happen in the real world, you know, in the last couple of years. Yeah. But also, because it's fiction, mm -hmm. going, yeah, the judges are terrible, but they're also telling you the truth this time. Right. Like, there, there is a wonderful... For what... Who don't know, sorry, we're going to do a synopsis soon, I promise. Um, there's a wonderful moment, as you say, when... 
you know, it is what turns out to be a rejected proposal for how the judges will deal with chaos, the yeah. chaos bug, is leaked to the media as what is actually happening. Mm -hmm. Where you completely understand everyone's side of it. Yes. Right? Yeah. Because the judges are not lying when they say it's not happening. Right. But the reporter doesn't know that. Right. Because they were given the information by a judge. And it did come from the Justice Department. Right. Right. You know? Right. And, and, but also, even within that, you have the bad actors inside the Justice Department. Right. Not only in terms of, like, you know, you have the guy who came up with this, why don't we just all, you know, gas them and kill them, like, idea, like that bad actor. You also have, like, Russians working inside the Justice Department. Yeah. To, to discredit them. Right. You know? And as the reader who's seeing this omniscient story unfolds, you're like, oh, shit, I can't believe that's happened. But on a singular level, you understand everything that's happened. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. I mean, it's so... Uh, really oh, well written. It, it's extraordinarily so, and I think it it is... Um, it's just such a triumph. Uh, at... At the risk of dragging things even further afield, but I promise we'll return to talk about important things like plot and stuff like that. Um, you know, hopefully whatnots you've been listening. It, if it, I don't think it necessarily comes up as much here, but certainly over in our other podcast, Wait What? I lived in San Francisco for many years, and I lived actually in Bernal Heights for well over a decade. And... Um, toward our final years there, there was a lot of stuff with the police that was just kind of flat out fucking bullshit. Um, one of the things that was, that I had a certain frustration reconciling myself with was because I lived in Bernal Heights, there was a situation with a, a, a man by the name of Alex Niedo. And he uh, basically was a young man in his early 20s. Uh, he was he was on top of Bernal Hill and he was upset. He may have been like he may have had mental health issues there. He may well have been intoxicated of some type. But he was acting erratically on the top of the hill. I think he had, it's so it's several years ago, he basically had like a taser or a gun that he was waving around at people. And so, you know, my wife and I were in the process, more or less, of getting ready to walk up that hill on that day. And someone was coming down the hill and said, hey, there's a guy up there acting erratically. You should probably stay away. And so we did. The police showed up um, and ended up shooting him and killing him. Like, shooting him, as the police tend to do, a, a lot of times. Now, the thing that was hard is it's not uncommon for the police. And again, this is something that I feel we've really come become aware of in America, or at least a certain stripe of us have become aware of in America in the last couple of years, um, cops will grab a narrative and they will uh, basically issue to 
everyone what happened and it's more or less um, reported as if it is fact and then later details come out and things aren't exactly true but for myself there was a little feeling of while I certainly don't think that a, you know a man in his 20s should be gunned down I was like this was a guy who was acting radically to the, at the top of the hill to the extent that we were actually warned away by a passerby. It was someone else who was actually concerned. And he was waving around like an object that looked like a gun and, you know, before the police showed up. So part of me was, how do I put it? I had to come to terms with a lot of feelings as Alex Nieto became more or less the uh, poster child in San Francisco for police um, overreaction uh, of, of police murdering um, men of color. And one of the things that was really hard for me was I was like, this is such the wrong case to pin this on like for example do you remember do you remember what batman kid the um yes yes yes. kid batman so Mm -hmm. the very day where where kid batman more or less gets a, a huge san francisco like parade right like a a guy comes back from go from attending that parade and he comes into his apartments. Uh, he lived in, in on, on Mission Street. He's he's like riding his bike uh, off the. He rides off the street and onto the sidewalk. Two policemen see him do that, and they basically beat him so hard he goes into the hospital. And this Jeez. guy is a twenty-something-year-old black guy, and. It got nearly no coverage, but sort of like what happened to Day of Chaos. And the thing that I think that is important to me is that idea of when when people are lied to, A, of course, I think at a certain point, conspiracies and paranoia start bubbling up as a way to... Um, essentially deal with that hidden home truth. Yeah, yeah, to, you yeah know? to make sense of it, yeah. Exactly. And then the flip side is when when things burst, when somebody's had enough, when someone gets killed and becomes a martyr, like, it's not it's not always the best person. It's not always the right situation. In fact, it's it's really there's you know dozens of other and better times for people to have st- stood up to the judges than the moment that happens in day of chaos but it's but it's but it's but it is inevitable and one of the yeah. things as we start turning into the plot of day of chaos that is part of what makes the whole story so resonant is it has an air of tragic inevitability mm-hmm. i think yes yeah. you had that i i, th- I yeah. think that's very very true completely to interrupt you but it, it, this is tying into something i want to say about it as well which is mm-hmm. one of the things that i really like about day of chaos mm-hmm. and i only like more when i revisit it is that it rejects the traditional narrative in that chaos day 
mm-hmm. like the thing the title of the, of the story is named after yeah um is an anticlimax almost yeah there's no big dramatic moment it's just horrible yeah exactly exactly right it, it's inevitable yeah it it's it just is there's nothing anyone can do but survive it and i love that it takes about three episodes of that yeah right yeah. it doesn't it it doesn't have the like you know dramatic cliffhanger it doesn't have the dread if you do this one thing the game changes mm-hmm. it's literally when it finally arrives because again we're going to do a plot synopsis in a second but day of chaos is uh is honestly mistitled because it's all about the build-up to this event and when the event arrives there's nothing to do yeah everything has been set in place where the only thing to do is to make it to the other side of it and mil- hundreds of millions of people don't. Yeah. And the story, and Wagner, to his credit, I think, does not shy away from that. He said, just does, does two or three episodes of, this is horrible. This is horrible, and there's nothing anyone can do. And everyone is traumatized. And everyone, everyone is going to be, everyone who survives this is going to be a mess afterwards because of it. The end. In fact, as we will we will dive into it. I think Wagner very deliberately does um, a series of narrative feints that make you think that you know where, not even where you know where the story is going, but you feel as if you are being promised a certain kind of narrative. And the narrative that shows up manages to... um, not cheat, but also to be nothing like the narrative that you would expect. And and that only adds to the brutality of it. I think you had talked before about the idea that this was this was that this really does put the dread in dread. And I, I have have to say that that Day of Chaos had moments for me that is precisely about the ratcheting up not so much of tension per se but more of that feeling of dread i guess you know um and and i think we'll talk about that more i think as we move into the narrative of it one thing i should say um that Graham, of course, if he'd been the guy introducing it, would have done, I, I think, a uh, mention of this. We are reading two trade paperbacks, Day, Day of Chaos, The Fourth Faction, and Day of Chaos, Endgame. There is a third trade that is called Aftermath. Is that it? or I, It might be called Fallout. I can't remember. Hang on. Oh, it's probably called let, Fallout. Let me, let me go look. Yeah. But um, it, it's I, I would like to say that, you know, the third day of chaos is not written by Wagner, right? And that is why we are not discussing it here. It is called um, Fallout. It's called okay. it's called Day of Chaos Fallout. Terrific. Um, it and it is literally stories that were published in the Fallout of Day of Chaos. It is a bunch of stories by different writers that you know are dealing with the fact that this traumatic event has happened. But right, Day of Chaos ends with the the, the final story page of, of of the second collection. Right, and honestly, I think works better with that ending. I think the epilogues make sense from a this is a strip that is ongoing, mm-hmm. 
but in terms of the chaos i think it ends really well with this now one last thing before we get to the plot maybe it's not do you happen to know was this designed to be wagner getting ready yet again to step away from dread was this now i i I talked about this in the last rock Mm -hmm. i i believe that Mm -hmm. i've never seen evidence for that other Mm -hmm. than it very much reads to me as a final chapter Mm. Mm -hmm. it very much reads to me as a final chapter it ties in so many things right that wagner has been dealing with in dread as a strip for a long time i mean honestly you know, I think all you needed was like the mandroids, and then you would basically have all of of Wagner's obsessions mm-hmm. in 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 one place. You know, because this does deal with, you know, total war mm-hmm. and and rage against the Meg, right? Mm-hmm. It does deal with the democracy movement. Mm-hmm. It deals like Beanie is a character here. Judge Beanie is a character here. It deals with Dred's family. It deals with PG Maybe. It deals with the apocalypse war. Mm-hmm. It deals with with all of these things that that Wagner has been returning to and building, mm-hmm. and in such a way that it does feel to me like a final chapter. Mm-hmm. But you know, it wasn't. He continued with the strip. This is the the last big push I think for Wagner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like ever since then, he has returned, but he's returned for short, limited stints. Right. You know, the, the longest extended story he did after this, on Dread, I should say, uh, is, I think, Dark Justice in the magazine, which is mm-hmm. a, a Dark Judges story. And I think that's the longest one. I think other than that, he's basically, you know, limited himself to, to shorter runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not to say, you know, he's at the same time, he's also been writing, or he was also writing, Strong Team Dog with the Scarra, and he was the only writer in that. Mm-hmm. And currently in the magazine, he's writing Surfer, which is a thematic chopper sequel and is set in, you know, contemporary Mega City One. Right. This this is the longest the last big solid stretch of Wagner mm-hmm. to date. And honestly I think is going to be the last big solid stretch of Wagner. Right. Uh, I I think this stands as like, you know, his in a weird way his final statement. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Honestly, I feel for me there is a um yeah let let's get to it but i also feel like there is it to the extent that that the answer isn't capable of changing over time and probably should i think in a way one of the big answers one of the big questions about dread also in its way gets answered in day of chaos um so but before we get there uh graham how would you do you want to try your hand at summarizing day of chaos? i mean there, there, yes there are multiple layers to day of chaos which you know as i said is runs at least a year yeah of, of continuity and honestly slightly longer mm-hmm. um the short version of day of chaos is day of chaos is the basically the revelation that in the wake of the apocalypse war which again had happened 30 years before yeah the Soviets have been working to undermine slash destroy Mega City One. Mm-hmm. And they've been doing it on a number of fronts. They have been, as we find out, funding pro democracy movements. They've been funding anti mutant movements. Mm-hmm. They have been fermenting political turmoil in Mega City One. They have also been working uh, on 
as as people have you know it's, it's not really mentioned here but you know as we've seen you know other you know Arlok kidnapped Dread at one point right, right. for the purposes of the story they have also kidnapped a scientist who is working on something called the Chaos Bug which is you know a fitting callback to Blockmania mm-hmm. because the story that started the Apocalypse War was the Soviets attempting to basically destroy Mega City One through a virus, through through poisoning the water supply, and getting Mega City One to destroy themselves. Mm-hmm. The Chaos Bug is is not the same thing, but is enough of an echo to make it rhyme and to make it seem like a fitting bookend. It's a virus that looks like the cold until it starts killing people, yeah, and it is highly contagious, and the the Soviet forces who are responsible are so uh, dedicated to making this happen. They infect themselves and then go into Mega City One to make sure it happens. Yeah, and that is that is sort of the main spine of the story. The judges basically find out this is happening and try their best to prevent it and fail. There is. The revelation that there are undercover sleeper judges working for the Soviets that have been there since the Apocalypse War. There is a side division rookie who basically sees the whole thing coming and is dispatched very quickly. First of all, it also is basically treated as, as a a crank by everyone other than Dread. Yeah, there is Dread's dissatisfaction with the, the machine of that is Mega City One. And ultimately, there is just the fact that because the system is broken and because the system can't be replaced because the system is so big, everyone dies. <laughs> like it is, it is an incredibly like grim story because Day of Chaos ends with hundreds of millions of Mega City One uh, citizens dead, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and the, the realization that, as I was saying before, this was avoidable. This could have been pre- prevented, but in order to do so, the system would have had to have worked, and the system has been broken for a long time. Well, so I think there's I think there's a couple of things here uh, that that it's funny. I feel I think in some ways, like I I totally agree with you. Um, but there are also but also very, disagree <laughs> also disagree exactly there there are parts that i i feel are worth uh ironing out i suppose um we had read in case files 40 what what some people including yourself i think had referred to as almost like a dry run for day of chaos uh the, the very long total war storyline that is about the judges having to deal with uh, terrorist attacks and essentially um, setting off atomic bombs throughout the megacity and a race against time on the part of the judges to try and find and disassemble those bombs and being caught in situations where they get bad breaks where the people that they're fighting against in some ways are are one step ahead of them um and one of the things that i think is interesting to compare that with this is 
in that storyline the break that the judges get is essentially a very optimistic belief in uh, humanity which is to say that the members of total war themselves think that the idea of setting off atomic bombs across mega city one until the judges literally promise to like leave the city and 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 is too um inhuman that there are too many people that are going to be killed and so the judges get break after break as several people several crucial people turn and give them information that they need uh day of chaos plays very differently like graham you had mentioned as you said that the the system is broken and had been broken for a while one of the things that i think is really interesting about day of chaos is that it is closer to the conception of of a greek tragedy um i think i think it's not i don't know how intentional it is how accidental it might be but as you mentioned one of the things that is is a big twist here dread is and Mega City One are up against the fourth faction, which is to say that the one of the Sov generals who uh, survived um, the bombing of of Sov City One in in uh, the Armageddon War is has been is a master strategist and has been planning his revenge for decades literally decades yeah literally decades so in in the way that um that that in itself is set up in a way like the total war arc almost played out as which is to say you're sort of used to seeing these things as cat and mouse games i suppose where you know races against time and one person holding all the cards and then the other person maybe getting a lucky break or you know at one point the soft general here says um you know plans seldom survive uh first contact with the enemy you know and so even his plans sort of go awry in some ways but of course he is he literally is the master planner who we get to see in the story has contingent after contingent plan after contingency plan but the fact that instead of because these are people who are hell-bent on revenge that these are people who lost pretty much everything directly as a result of the behavior of the 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 bombing of their city by mega city one and more specifically uh dread there is none of the oh like there is there is no humanity flinching in the face of yeah. monstrousness instead what ends up happening as you point out is the judge's best break is that a young psy cadet at the academy begins having incredibly vivid uh visions about this day of chaos that is coming and as you point out nobody believes her even dread barely can give her the time of day he doesn't quite blow he doesn't quite blow her off but he's like 
this is all just vagary. Give me give me something with more meat on it. But call me if you do. And fortunately enough, she actually does. And all of that gets set in play. But I, I do want to say, like, the idea of having the the seer, the prophet, who is not believed by the city that she keeps telling to is again very much out of greek the greek tragedy of the trojan war right with mm-hmm. cassandra clemenestra might be the same person i don't i don't know the, the 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 greeks were a big fan of the the prophet that nobody believed and that is here and so weirdly what ends up happening in day of chaos as it unfolds is something closer i feel to a greek tragedy than any sort of cat and mouse game and so instead of the tension of will they or won't they there is definitely a sustained feeling that it's time to pay the piper and um and what we are seeing unfold is 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 how that payment happens and what is interesting of course and crucial to it is the Piper, the action, the 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 sin or the revenge, the the act that is being um, uh, revenged is not the right word. Is avenged. Avenged. Thank you. You think a guy who read comics all his life would know that? Uh, is dreads bombing of that soft city. So, so I just want to say as we get into like you you mentioned the threads that sort of move throughout and that what what essentially happens is you see one sleeper agent sorry you see one genetically modified agent come to the city um and kidnap make con make connections with the with a rogue terrorist cell and then begin the process of kidnapping the the scientist and their family but really almost also killing judge dread like the dude gets stabbed in the neck and almost dies the number of casual near deaths in this story is really (laughs) pretty amazing in that regard so well and also the number of times they basically fake you thinking that dread is going to die oh yeah yeah like this is not a story that is subtly going yeah maybe we'll kill him off or not like it really seems on multiple occasions that they're going to kill him off yeah yeah exactly so uh, and I think, interestingly enough, in a way, the way that the story pivots is, um, yeah, very early on, there's a few points where Dread is threatened and barely survives. But it rapidly goes on to grow beyond that, in a way, um, and becomes very much about the little like there's a lot of scenes of brutality here that in in day of chaos um because what happens is uh the general in addition to his having the cells that he directly that are under his direct control in addition to the sleeper judges that uh that are in the department um there has also been the riling up of other terrorists. So you're getting attacks and breakouts from all over the place. In fact, the story that immediately follows the skinning room is called Hot Night in 95. 
um, which is from magazines 307, 308, and 310, in which Hershey returns more or less for a visit, goes out on a patrol with Dread. The hot new hobby in Mega City 1 is stoning people alive, which is horrible, and you get to see um, another uh, sporting event. Um, but part of what ends up happening is uh, you also have mass killings happening everywhere throughout as killers go about. I was going to say like, oh, and then there's the whole sequence where the guy in the, the shirt starts spraying acid into the audience, but that's actually a later story. There's so much violence against people in public in a way that is really Wagner like upping his game I think um, there's a lot of as as the at one point the the cadet the side cadet who proves you know in many other Judge Dredd stories would be end up being like the perky cadet sort of semi Anderson who like you know more or less is taken under dread's wing and and you know is able to overcome their fears she she basically becomes a catatonic mess from her visions her twin sister is able to help more or less transcribe a lot of those visions and then they both end up being killed um more or less with one of them psychotically screaming that it's too late and there's nothing that can be done but the the couple of pages of just psychic visions that that one of the cadets is seeing and the other one is more or less transcribing is just it it's it's kind of it's just all brutality it's all death and murder and people dying and people screaming and and what's amazing is some of it is the preview visions of Day of Chaos, but some of it is stuff that it literally happens four pages later as the city continues to sort of um, fall apart. Just sink into darkness, yeah. Yeah, so... Like, the, the, the story the story of Day of Chaos as, as this, this two-book series mm-hmm. is, is the story of Mega City 1 is... Mega, I, I'm trying to give a good way of saying this. Mega City One is not fun, right? Right. Yeah. I think there is a, a thing that happens for Dread readers where, because you have comedy in Dread, mm-hmm. right, and because you have like simps or you have the fatties or you have, you know, whatever, even fuzzies, mm-hmm. there's this element of like, oh, well, are the judges that bad? Really? Like, is, is Mega City One really that bad? Mm-hmm. And DFKS is like, no, Mega City One is terrible. Right. Mega City One is, on every respect, a terrible, terrible place to be for everyone. Yeah, including the judges. Right. Mega City One is is hell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a very dark version, and it is. Uh, so you mentioned the comedy. How do you? I know you love PJ. Maybe. Uh, I do he, repeat he, a lot. He pop, he pops up and sort of threads his way in in Day of Chaos. Although the role that he plays is uh, highly incidental. Again, in the way of one of the things that is just brilliant. Again, with Wagner is the idea that the cadet sees that the Day of Chaos is happening on election day, and 
um, there are there's at least one point where because of PJ maybe taking his revenge on Tony Blore, his um, uh, you know his, uh, his former chief of staff, yeah. his former chief of staff who he loads, who's trying to you know run for for mayor. Um, maybe in taking his revenge ends up postponing the date of election day, thus allowing the the scientist who is being forced to recreate his gas bug and the scientists who are forced to finish it in time gives them the extra time. You know, again, it's just one of those things where if maybe hadn't done what he had done, then then the situation wouldn't have quite turned out in the way that it had. But I have to say, Graham, for myself, maybe runs throughout both volumes, and then in the second volume, Endgame, the Dark Judges come into play and sort of end up doing a supervillain team-up with maybe, in a way. But Which, I... which is also a, such a... Uh... I genuinely love the faint of the dark judges in this. Yes. Well, and that's what I think is really amazing, right? Like, yeah. So, so I, and weird thing is I remember when day of chaos was coming out and I remember the promotion surrounding the return of the dark judges to day of chaos. Yeah. Because it was promoted. 2008 actually went out of their way Mm -hmm. to be like, bringing dark judges back like day of chaos is happening no shit is going to get serious you know shit is going to go down right the dark judges are coming back and they they, they tease it in the story as well mm -hmm. you know like uh wiley the sleeper judge yeah wiley makes a point of going to get the dark judges mm -hmm. right and there is a sense of like oh shit yeah like it's somehow going to be worse and spoilers everyone it's not because pg maybe basically just like almost carelessly outwits them yeah right um yeah that is something in fact in the second volume in endgame you they do reprint some of the promo materials the full page yeah, ads yeah. that they did for day of chaos the teaser designs with the dark judges and it's i think it's really hmm, how do i put it like there's kind of a weird turning point in dread for me of like the dark judges are uh, oh first off i should say and apologies hopefully people like i i'm sure people are like we're spoiling a story that is you know over a decade old but i still feel kind of weird and guilty about doing it hopefully everyone listening to this has read is reading day of chaos has read it and is just kind of curious to see what kind of mouth noises we're going to make but I was when when the uh, is there's two there's two judges. While is the first one who gets caught relatively on, and then there's the second one. I don't know Harrigan or Heridian or whatever, who ends up retrieving the dark judges and also does. Oh, that's right. Yeah, why, why some other shit. That point? Yeah. yeah, exactly. I just want to mention because it is a it's an effective one-two punch in that sense. It kind of further does the oh fuck undermining. In fact when you see him show up at the prisons and you're like, fuck, who is this guy? Um, I was so kind of unnerved. And then when he more or less just retrieves the dark judges, I was like, oh, those clowns? Like, I don't know. It was kind of weird. <laughs> like, like I think back like, to... Like, the dark judges are nothing. They're not. They're really not. It's one of those things where it really... 
I thought that it was really funny the way Wagner handles them. Although that being said, they have an emotional beat or two. There's a lot of action that ends up uh, involving the judges, the dark judges, um, which ends up with like Judge Logan getting after his arms grown back, literally having to lose it again. Um, but Dread does some sort of motorcycle chase grenade blow up thing. It's a lot of high action moments, but A, they're very brief, although beautifully, beautifully drawn. But I was like, like, I really wondered to the extent to which, particularly with the Dark Judges, Dave Chaos really feels like, hey, we've kind of outgrown this. You know what I mean? Like, I, I myself was like, no, what do we what do we need them in here for? Like other than other than it seems like a marketing ploy. It seems like a way that 2000 AD slash rebellion could sell the story as it was coming out and build up excitement for it. It's like, oh boy, it's the, I mean I mean yes, judges. I think there's definitely I think there's definitely some element of that. I also, however, think there is an element of the dark judges are they're Judge Dredd's Joker. Right. Like, to simplify it. It's right. a very iconic image, mm-hmm. Judge Death, who ironically mm-hmm. is not one of the dark judges in this story. He's elsewhere. Yeah. Um, but also there's an idea, for me at least, of this is just one more element of actual chaos. Right. Right? Judges are already fucked. Yes. You know? And they're, they're getting attacked on all sides. Mm-hmm. They're getting attacked by the, for want of a better way of putting it, local terrorists mm-hmm. and the Russians. And they are, they literally have sleepers inside the, the Justice Department. And so here are, and PG maybe is on the loose, but as it turns out, PG maybe really is not a threat to the judges in the story at all. PG right. maybe is 100% just like a, a, an actual agent of chaos. Right. He's an you actual know, agent he's, of chaos. Right. Yeah. He's doing whatever the fuck he wants, but as it turns out, that's not even anything to do with Judge Dredd this time. He just could not be arsed. He just wants to, like, hide out for all intents and purposes. And so bringing the Dark Judges back Mm -hmm. is just another element of, like, well, they're fucked. It's just something else that is going to add to this overload. It's just something else that is going to be terrible, Mm -hmm. disastrous. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, there's the joy of PJ maybe gets to them first right. and it's like oh no they're bad right <laughs> like I don't like them either mm-hmm. and just like genuinely outwits them yeah convinces them that he's going to help resurrect them and instead traps them yeah there really are few moments of comedy in day of chaos day of chaos is you know almost unrelent- unrelentingly grim mm-hmm. the PJ maybe stuff is Darkly comedic, perhaps. Yes, but very much. When, so. when yeah. he, but when he's with the dark judges, mm-hmm. it's far more broadly comedic because yeah. he gets to basically like just like take them out in, in a dumb way. Right. Like it, it, it's it is a joy. It's joy in the same way that I love the election stuff. Mm-hmm. The election stuff has some genuinely stupid jokes in there. Yeah. Oh, very much. So. You know. Right. The uh, candidate for the apathy party just couldn't be bothered showing up to the the, mm-hmm. the debate. Mm-hmm. You know, it's dumb. Or the 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 candidate who just says clump. Yes, that's all she says. Yeah, that's great. But mm-hmm. also, 
like stupid right um and feels like not even a a necessary pressure valve mm-hmm. but but is this like rare comedy right showing up in something that is really not funny and again there is a thing i mean it's not like it it it's not like you had to be uh to use Brian Bendis's phrase, you didn't have to be a futurist to see the writing on the wall. But again, uh, Wagner is very aware of how politics are becoming slaves to celebrity. And so, again, in a, you know, here's the disastrous election of 2016 seen through a funhouse mirror, but also five years earlier yes and no because he's also like there's literally a character called tony blower in the strip oh yeah like he's very clearly writing about like what had been happening in british politics at that point oh sure but he also has reality tv people in there as well you know yeah but like again that is that is not uncommon in british politics by that point because you have the monster raving loony party you have other parties where you do have the celebrities standing yeah yeah that's true you know like like he's he's not He's not being a futurist there at all. He's literally like writing about what has happened. Right. Yeah. Uh, and there's point. a joke about there being like 174 registered parties or something like that, which I also thought was very funny and clearly not pointed at America uh, per se. Um, yeah. It it just uh, the PJ maybe stuff to me was like you said. It's funny how much PJ maybe sort of ends up being Dred's Joker. I guess, in a way, you know? I mean, um, he, he really kind of is, right? Because he's the only mm-hmm. one who ever really outwits Dredd. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and, and up until he, you know, loses. <laughs> up, up until he, you know, he's the only one who gets away with it. Yeah, yeah. But also, when he is Mayor Ambrose, when he is undercover as this mayor who turns out to be great for the city, Right. He sometimes can work with Dread. Or in Dread, maybe not with Dread, but like in Dread's favor. Yeah. 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 No. And Dread has a little internal monologue here at one point where he's basically saying, like, you know, simultaneously, like, I should have killed him. I shouldn't have let everyone, you know, more or less convince me to keep him alive. But also, he was a damn good mayor. Like, he was the best yeah, mayor right. the city ever had. Like, you know, Dredd's still holding a grudge about the fact that they elected an orangutan mayor. And, uh, yeah. So, it says something really funny about Dredd that at the same time, he's like, yeah, I should have killed that guy. But I would also vote for him again as mayor because he was, he was pretty good, I gotta say. Yeah, right. It's funny because, I, you know, Day of Chaos is this... You know, as we're saying, like, it's this masterpiece of grim storytelling. Yeah. And it's this masterpiece of, honestly, dread with an A, not Judge Dredd, uh, and inevitability. Yeah. And you know, I think, I, 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 you can tell me, because I've read this so many times that, like, it's difficult for me to, to gauge this. Mm-hmm. But I think you know by the time you're in the second collection that, like, they're not getting out of it. Do you know what I mean? I I, I think it, it it becomes clear. That the question is like how how much can they limit it as opposed to can they stop it? You know, so I was thinking about this because uh, you know we we talk a little bit about Total War, um, uh, which I hope was the name of that that storyline. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and but there's also there's as you meant you mentioned uh Orlock Orloff uh kidnapping dread Orlock yeah, yeah. Or, Orlock yeah. kidnapping dread to hold him basically put him on trial on the remains of the floating soft city and Orlock actually pops up again when there is uh basically another attempt to smuggle a virus into Mega City 1 that ends up destroying an entire was oh, it that yeah the the off the yeah, yeah, gambling yeah. city that's on the water yeah. so so one of the things i think is interesting is is that there's there's not um there's 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 nothing here per se that is not without precedent in dread like in a way that sort of weird feeling of Oh, we we've seen the sort of we've seen this done. Like, you know, even even the Armageddon War was amazing uh, in the sense of afterwards the kind of desolation and it almost all but kind of became, you know, a trope. Like Mega City One would go through Necropolis or or I don't know Garth Ennis's Zombie Day TM or whatever it would be called and then you would get some sequence with lots of people die, being buried in mass graves and people talking about like how rough it was and how much things have changed and and you know there's the in uh, uh, you know, a thing that just shocks me um, again the the uh, book on 2000 AD. God, my memory is just turning to thrill power overload. Thrill power overload really talks about Day of Chaos so insanely briefly and says something along the lines of Wagner being like, "Yeah, I think I feel like readers were actually getting tired of us having these big events." that sort of promised that there would be changes and repercussions and then there never was and he's like and frankly I was too so um you know I did something different and then there's a quote from Matt Smith just being like yeah this it's just like a tornado like every chapter coming into the office just reading it and and being kind of blown away um so like you said like there's a way in which you suspect at some point you're like okay this is not they're gonna they're gonna pay the price and in fact one of the things that's really great about day of chaos is the fact that the russians send in these agents who are going to you know inoculate themselves against the disease and you see them get stopped at the spaceports or you see two you know one or two of them get stopped and you're like okay this is kind of like this is going to turn out okay you know you always see those little situations where there, it's there's, like, there's a way out yeah there's a way out and that's one of the things that i think that that the day of chaos does so well is wagner more or less kept teasing me with the idea of like oh maybe this is going to turn out okay which is kind of funny because you're like okay i know that this is going to be bad like in a way that it's promised in a way that there are some dry runs in a way that that ever since the armageddon war uh or even the day the law died like the dread strip has been totally okay with killing vast numbers of citizens of mega city one and or beloved supporting characters but 
there is so much about Day of Chaos that feels different. And one of the things that I think actually helps is the fact that Dread captures the Sov, Sov General who's planned everything, you know, maybe two thirds of the way through. And, mm-hmm. uh, and the character dies not long after that, with Dread really not being able to. Dread manages to get some more information out of his aides. But just the fact that the quote unquote villain is dead and you still have you know 60 or 80 pages left of the storyline is i think a real warning sign or a flag on the field that 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 this is not going to be you know a story that's going to be resolved with dread punching someone or dread talking tougher than someone else (laughs) you know what i mean like there's not there's just not going to be uh, a traditional sense of catharsis. I haven't watched it, but a lot of people have been talking about All Quiet on the Western Front, the series that I, I want to say is on Netflix, uh, that's mm-hmm. an adaptation of the novel. It's about World War One and how the per- people who made the series go to great lengths to essentially strip out so much narrative like it's basically people waiting around and then getting like killed and um there's something where the the narrative narrative itself is a is a palliative uh in situations like this you know it helps it's it's the sugar coating that helps the bitter pill go down but Mm -hmm. Um, or the other way around, I guess, if you're Kurt Vonnegut. But, but here, I think Wagner toys with it, and then he just takes it away. And one of the things that is great is by the time that Day of Chaos is just about there, like he starts doing a countdown in the second volume, and things get more and more and more horrible, and then you'll turn a page and see it's like, chaos day minus two you're like fuck it still hasn't happened yet and so many people are dying or so much horrible stuff is happening and then by the time that it does happen even the judge the cadets visions of people dying in the streets and people murdering one another ends up being um a ends up being wrong and you know which which the narrator says like dread should find comforting but does not there's literally nobody out on the streets for huge chunks of time everyone's all inside the blocks dying in droves and Mm -hmm. what so the narrative of of you know toward the end of day of chaos it's all but like the opening of george romero's dawn of the dead it's just the police going through the buildings having to kill people and and just the the um, there's something about the distance within which Wagner removes from story because the other thing is is at one point he has a caption where he says something like dread teetering on the edge of despair 
you know, has has no choice but to keep going on. And what's amazing about that is, is that you don't really see it. Like, Dread acts like Dread on pretty much every page, which is to say mm-hmm. there is no point where he indulges in any thoughts of negativity uh, out loud. Like, he's always the one who's like, this is bad, but it's got to be done. Just have to keep doing it till you do it. Like, you see him prop up Beanie, you see him talk to the other judges, you see him push through, and in earlier Wagner stories, you would get the captions that would more or less have that genius Wagner um, limited omniscient narrative where you're outside Dredd's head, but you're hearing his thoughts and you, and he, you can, you can feel that. And I love the way in which it, that gets taken away from us too. You know, there's not really Wagner, who is such a good storyteller. Like it's so tempting to be like, Oh wow. He sure seemed overwhelmed there, but it really, to me, seems like a very masterful, removal of just about everything every other little focus that you could have that would be a story comfort is taken away and all you literally have left is the horror of what's unfolding and collapsing around you um even in that regard henry flint's art um there's a handful of artists in in this volume and of course we we definitely should get a talk about them and give them their due what i thought was interesting is flint's work which is so masterful in total war and really gives you violent cathartic loss um doesn't do that here his storytelling is very different six years down the line and definitely definitely effective um and kind of shocking but there's very there's only one or two of those full-size panels of this the pages of the city uh in ruins there might only be mm-hmm. two of them and neither of them are nearly as sort of detailed and expressive i feel as the stuff in total war but again it really works for the story that's telling like it feels like the way tragedies happen you know like what we just went through there was no real story about covid you know there's ways in which things went wrong and ways in which people did the absolute stupidest fucking thing that they could do but it was re- you couldn't really turn around like the closest thing i think we had was you know, Trump saying and doing shit that just made everything worse. But COVID was bigger and worse than just Trump, you know, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but that's that's what yeah. that's one of the things that's so successful about Day of Chaos, which is yeah. it does reject narrative. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I said before, the, the when chaos day arrives, mm-hmm. there's no uh, there's no moment of catharsis. Yeah. Like positive or negative, there's no moment of climax. Mm-hmm. And honestly, even after that, you get up that one episode epilogue, mm-hmm. and there's no feeling of closure either. Yeah. Right? No one learns anything. No one, no one comes out of this 
anything other than traumatized for want of a better way of putting it. Right. You know, like it's, it's just, it's, it is just brutal. It, it's so, it's funny because again, like I read this, I read this serialized when it came out, Jeff. Mm. Um, this was, this was when I was getting back into 2008. Mm-hmm. Douglas Wolk, I'm going to thank, like Douglas, if you're listening, like you're, you're the one to blame slash thank. Because Douglas was like, because I, I just moved to, to Portland. Mm-hmm. And Douglas was like, oh, you, you like 2008? He's like, yeah, I've been read it for years. And it's like, oh, you've got to. Mm-hmm. And you've got to read it because you've got to read what they're doing with Judge Dredd. Mm-hmm. Um, and it reads very differently now than it did then. Right. Right. Because we have been through COVID. And so much of the chaos bug, um, especially initially spreading through the city, mm-hmm. um, reads very differently because you have the people saying, oh, it's just a cold. Right. Or when the, when the judges are like, no, there's, there's this virus. You have to stay inside. They're like, fuck that. No, mm-hmm. I don't have it. Right. Why would I have it? There's no way I could be exposed. Yeah. You know, or 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 the paranoia of Nadia, the the Russian agent, mm-hmm. being on the train, mm-hmm. and and intentionally trying to infect people, and like the the Wagner's narration basically talks about like you know, oh she's sniffling, but people don't really care. Yeah. You know, like all of that plays differently now. All yeah. of that plays differently in, in like this this COVID worlds we're in now. Mm-hmm. Um, but so much of the the anti narrative of Day of Chaos, mm-hmm. so much of the fact that it doesn't have this like you know we're building to the big moment and the big moment happens and now we're in the aftermath. Right. There is no big moment in Day of Chaos. Yeah. There is this. All there is is this slow realization that they're all fucked. Yeah. Well, and I that's think it. that's all you have, and it like that reads differently now as well. Yeah, yeah. To be blunt. Well, you know, it's funny because I think that again, that's that deal of like the Greek tragedy, where the idea behind no one was ever no, no, when the Greeks went to go see Oedipus, they they were never surprised. You know what I mean? Like the idea was you told a story that they all knew and that there were so many moments and points where like the gods or characters would say things that were so filled with, again, that that the audiences would essentially moan and weep um, because because they knew because they knew the story and so in a way like you know every everyone i think it talks about that feeling of like oh yeah whenever you read a classic like you're reading it at exactly the time the best moment that it could ever be read but reading day of chaos in after us you know we're still in a pandemic you know the 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 the, the i keep wanting the last year has been me catching myself from talking about life post covid because there is there, it's not that's not what we are in we're in some other different realm but like reading it now and seeing this seeing this stuff it feels so emotionally true and like you said without the catharsis of it all you really have is the dread and and also the feeling of 
I don't know, like that very weird Greek tragedy feeling of something closer to bathos, of like revisiting a horrible thing over and over and over again in your head. I've I've read Day of Chaos three times, by the way. Like this is, mm-hmm. but between like we finished up uh, the last episode of Drock, and I ju- I really it was one of those few times where I was like damn that was a good volume i want to jump in a day of chaos i really got to read this and then it was like i bet you read this traumatizing fiction three times in the last month yeah right and every time that i read it and it was interesting because i told you after i finished the first time but before i started the second time it had already kind of started to fade and i was like yeah i kind of think that my worry is i'll reread it and i won't think that it's quite as strong um but day of chaos horrifically holds up in that sense because i don't think again because it's not it's not some sort of twist narrative where once you know the twist it's like reading rereading day of chaos you remember stuff that hasn't happened in the storyline yet that you are not looking forward to and i think that's one of the things that you mention about the epilogue that is so fucking genius is part of the epilogue is a flashback you know like it's dread in the building gunning people down shooting children like literally killing the infected in droves and there's only a page and a half where golden daylight happens one innocent gets saved and and rico kind of comes in with the cavalry not to save anyone, but just more to help bury to everyone. Up. Yeah, and, and and explicitly says that explicitly is like you know we're we're doing nothing other than clean up. Yeah, yeah. That, so that's all we're. Yeah, so it it as as epilogues go, it really is the it's a brutal one because it's like at least at least the way you're leaving it, dread still in there, dread still walking through buildings, gunning down innocents, and and in his heart feeling if not feeling responsible feeling that that this like if it's not his fault it's because people have said it's his fault you know um it's it's, it's yeah a... and that and that's the thing there, there's a great moment um i think it's in the in the the, uh, the episodes that take place on chaos day itself Mm-hmm. Where you have the the Wagner narration, which is maybe Dreads, maybe like an omniscient narrator, like talking through Dread or talking for Dread, mm-hmm. where you basically have Dread be like, "Yep, yeah, the Russians have won." Right. Like this, this, this may not have literally physically destroyed the city, but it's destroyed the city. The Russians yeah. have won. Mm-hmm. This is everything they ever could have hoped for. This is a, a worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's true. This is worse than blowing up the city. Right. You know, this 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 is because it leaves those who live to clean up. Yeah. It leaves dread and the other judges to kill children. It it leaves the city I mean utterly destroyed. Yeah. Utterly destroyed. Um in a, a spiritual sense, in an emotional sense, in an existential sense. Right. Uh, but also physically, like, you know, there is a shocking number. Like I said, I, what what is the number they actually eventually give for the dead? Um, Beanie tells, 
tells it to Logan that it is 350 million people. And I think that that's out of a population of 400 million, right? Like I think... it's yeah, it's something close. It's something close to that. You you have um, the chief judge at the end saying that it's three hundred forty-seven million, and they're still counting. Yeah, there is a sense of like this is worse than incinerating everyone with a nuclear bomb because yeah. you leave everyone else to clean up. Well, you leave everyone to clean up, but I also just I guess I just realized that I feel like the genius of Wagner and at that time Wagner and Grant's dread from real early on was essentially making Mega City One the other great character of the strip, right? And Day of Chaos ends with Wagner more or less killing the city. Like, there's that amazing page right before the epilogue where it is dread in shadow, it is uh, like a collapsed structure behind him. And it says the city, his beloved city, is dying before his eyes. And and it is kind of interesting to think, like, I mean, I think that that's part of the quote-unquote plus minus whatever it is. It's like, I feel like, I swear to God, Graham, like I said, when I started reading the 2000 AD was just a little after this, where people, they were talking about literally people starving and then the next story would be a fatty story you know what i mean like by that yeah. point the 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 here comes a great a pun the dread mill had to keep running um see the cosmic dread mill even uh had to keep moving so that <laughs> so that you just had stories coming down the pike and and you know there's a comment by al ewing where he was like all the writers apparently got caught a little flat-footed by how huge Chaos Day ended up being. Like, they knew it was going to be, like, kind of a big thing. But, like, Wagner really does take, if you think about it, one of the two great characters of Dread, and it looks like at the end of this, like, killed off that character. And Dread had to watch it die and feel that it was his fault. And where you go from that, where you could go from that, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that is that thing of like, in a way, I'm really glad it's the last episode of Drock for me, because although I would love to read other Dread stuff, and I actually feel pretty confident that I will, um, it's a it's a strangely apt, very grim. It it feels closing. like an end. Yeah. It can be an end. And that's the other thing that I, I wanted to talk about is uh, one thing like um, we have so many great commenters on Wait What Podcast, uh, the the website, waitwhatpodcast.com, I guess. And um, especially the the contributors, the, the, the listeners who've thrown in their two cents and their inc invaluable insights to dread um through the series of drocks have been great one of the things vord uh, 99 is uh, a, a current incredibly smart um reader of dread and is one of those who actually talks about how um kind of more or less comes in and, 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 and points out all the other stories and points about 
dread is not necessarily the unalloyed villain in pushing the button at the end of Armageddon War and driving and blowing up Sob City. That the the defenses that Dread makes at various points when he's literally put on trial for that crime are pretty valid, but I think that the other thing that I think is another question that that circles around Dread, at least through this podcast and and outside it, is 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 Dread a hero or a villain? You know, are we supposed to see him as a hero? Are we supposed to see him as a villain? Wagner, and particularly Wagner and Grant when they were working together, really kept you off balance, and you should uh, be, um, I think, always. I think it's part of the appeal of the character. But I think if you see Day of Chaos as a Greek tragedy, when you get dreads come up and when vengeance is visited upon dread and mega city one for the things that he did it a it sort of points against that idea of greek tragedy where it's not so much like the ones who were screwed over by the gods really did anything wrong per se like they're not necessarily heroes or villains they are victims of things like hubris and one of the things that they might be doing is is that the tragic the tragic nature of them means that they have in a way no choice but to fulfill the destiny that is laid out before them I think the dread with Day of Chaos being this insane bookend to uh, the Apocalypse War that Wagner maybe to me comes as close to kind of putting forward a statement, maybe a last statement about dread, which is essentially the dread like the police essentially does a good thing that is essentially impossible and therefore at certain points it no it becomes a bad thing or a good thing done poorly and and essentially can't sustain itself like again the fact that that what really breaks in day of chaos the final little tinder block is at one point someone says like the judges are telling the literally telling people the truth about the fact that the mass grave thing was a rejected plan that they absolutely 100 percent were they were not going to 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 do that and one person says to the other like do you do you believe them and one of them says i i stopped believing the judges in kindergarten and mm-hmm. There, that person is a hundred percent right to, you know what I mean? Like yes. we've come through these volumes where the judges have fucked things up, and I think I really do think that Wagner hits a, a moment here that to me is really profound, which is we as a society need the police, but because of 
quote-unquote humanity because of who we are who we are and how power works the police will also destroy us you know what i mean like dread is a hero who is a villain um and yeah he's both right he he is he is both or rather the nature of him being who he is in in he has to be both he has to it's it it is the destiny unfortunately of the policeman to uphold the system in ways that will ultimately oppress destroy the system i think mm-hmm. and i mm-hmm. think that that is that becomes the final chilling point where it's like because the russian general is dead long before that final moment happens like clearly that judge like you know it's like that judge just shows the absolute right moment of dissent at the right time but he wasn't none of that could have been prepared in advance you know what i mean and in another storyline like day of chaos is such a a great remedy to uh the avengers skyfall and i guess really in its own way especially the dark knight where the idea is the joker gets captured the villain gets captured two-thirds of the way through the movie and then them getting captured is part of their master plan and then they get to say it and then you get all of that stuff and instead what happens here is two-thirds of the way through the bad guy's caught um he tries to swallow his own tongue he doesn't they manage to stop him and then somebody else is triggered with a remote phrase and comes in and, and and slashes his throat while no one else is watching and even that person doesn't know why they did it like i think it's all yeah. it's sort of strongly hinted that the other that the judge who goes and gets the dark judges is the one who who set him off who did but, it yeah 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 but it's you just really don't there there the the satisfaction in the dissatisfaction is part of what makes day of chaos so great and so so terrible i guess it's so um it's so amazingly nihilistic in a way that feels uh undread but also very dread mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know and it's funny because like this these strips came out a decade ago right okay and dread today is i would argue very much informed by this and by this story, style of storytelling mm-hmm. um but also, it's very much not the strip, right? And you, uh, in part, Wagner set back significantly. You have writers like Rob Williams, Ken Neiman, Arthur Wyatt, who have stepped up and, and, and are telling, you know, the stories that they are telling, which are, you know, as good. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe not as good as this, but this is like, you know, this again is one of these just mic drop of a comics of right. a comic, right? Yeah. Um, but. It's funny because you see, like, so, for example, right now, Dread has a foil in Ken Neiman's strips, like a recurring foil, mm-hmm. and it's a hyper-intelligent chimpanzee called Noam Jimsky. Oh, right, Noam Jimsky, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Which seems almost unthinkable after reading Day of Chaos. Right. You know? Uh, we've had... 
you know, we've had subsequent mega epics, which are almost the grand adventure again. Mm-hmm. You know, of we're going around the world because we have to find the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Right. Which, like, I, I love that story. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. But again, that seems almost unthinkable after this because this is so nihilistic. Yeah. Well, and as you point out, I mean, there's also other stories like the things that come out as a result of stuff like Trifecta or Small House or, you know, there's also a lot of stories that, that are, like, continue in the vein of Mega City 1 is fucked and it's fucked because the judges are fucked, I guess, you know. That yeah, 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 yeah. Gets integrated in a in a very deep way into the stories as well. It feels so. So one of the things I want to say because this is the last episode of Drog, is for people who have been following along, for people who have read, I guess, and are like, I want to read. What to read next? Because like the case, like this is ahead of the case files, right? right. Um, I wholeheartedly would say the next places you want to turn is you want to go to Trifecta and you want to go to the Small House. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they continue, Trifecta especially has a very clear sense of, like, coming from the fallout of this. Mm-hmm. Of mm-hmm. And the Small House comes out of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Small House also connects back to Apocalypse War mm-hmm. um, in, in in some way that I think is important. Um, I, I think those two in particular. However, to talk to the, you know, Mega City of One is fucked because the judges are fucked. Mm-hmm. There's a storyline that's that's still ongoing in 2080 that starts with, I think it's called Carrie the Nine. I might be misremembering. Mm-hmm. Um, Arthur Wyatt and Rob Williams are the writers. And it is basically the canon accountant completely changed the system in Mega City One. Oh, right. Yeah. And it comes down to Maitland, who, who gets introduced after this and, and is a recurring file, is an accountant. And of course, Dread hates accountants. Like mm-hmm. that's been a, a running joke. Uh, and Maitland is the one accountant he doesn't hate. He doesn't like Maitland. Mm-hmm. But Maitland has proven herself to an extent where Dredd's like, fine, I'll put up with her. Mm-hmm. And she basically does the math. And it's like, I've looked at how much we're spending to fight crime. And I've come up with this financial model of what if we just try and like make life better for people in Mega City 1? Right. We might cut crime that way. Like mm-hmm. it might be cheaper, um, and this is this is something that's like literally been like you know an episode, and then they'll fuck off for a year, and then they'll come back with another episode. It's not like one story; it's a bunch of small stories. Mm-hmm. And where they've left that right now is Maitland has basically been given a block to try her theory. Oh wow! Okay, she's been given one block, mm-hmm. and it's like, yeah, okay, prove it. Right, like you really believe it. You have control over one block. Mm. Do what you want. Mm. And that feels like, honestly, a direction that is new to Dread, but also grows out of something like Day of Chaos. Because mm-hmm. again, Day of Chaos is a story about the system doesn't work. <laughs> Day of Chaos is a, you can't keep doing this. Yeah, one of the things I like about Day of Chaos is, is that it is a um, it is a story about how the system is broken and doesn't work, but like it really is, uh, there's a, there is an external threat, you know, and it's just, 
like the combination of of bad breaks and little oversight there's a there's a fabulous sequence where i think beamy calls in for information to uh it's not it's not the sjs the 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 division of um public oversight whatever it's called the basically the, the people who spy on the public and beamy's like hey what the hell are you you know like where's that info we need that info and like the person's like screw that i got reassigned like i'm not gonna bust my ass doing that and beamy's like we really need this information it's super important and the guy's like it's not important to me basically and then and then literally blows up on the next page because the entire building is bombed but it's just it's just a fabulous little moment in in many many moments where it's just yeah the society and the culture has gotten to the point where it can't it just can't sustain itself in a way that again kind of kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies um you know it it feels all too prescient we should we should talk about the artists of course um because i feel like for me of course henry flint and colin mcneil are fucking fabulous flint does the majority of the heavy lifting across both volumes and he's great Colin McNeil has a very different look, but every time his pages came in, I adored them. But there's also a lot of heavy lifting by Ben Willisher in both volumes, Staz Johnson in the first volume, and in volume two, hello. Lee Gallagher. Lee Gallagher and Edmund Bagwell. Edmund Bagwell's stuff is great. I really like Edmund Bagwell um, as an artist. The late Edmund Bagwell, he died a few years ago. He he did some uh, Indigo Prime with John Smith when it got revived. Oh wow! And yeah, I, he's he's just a very or he was, I guess, just a very very good artist. I like him a lot. His art, uh, art I, is fantastic. Sorry. No, no, sorry, sorry. I, I, there is a point that actually I have to say I love Bagwell's art. I really did not like the story that it shows up in. Actually, I think it's the closest thing to a Wagner misstep. But we may, or may um, not cover that. Uh, we probably won't end up. We're, we're like we're already significantly into this. Graham, like, you're like, editing it. It's four two. hours. It's the last rock. I'm going for six hours here. I will settle for four. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, th- I think Rwise. This is a really good. Uh, I was going to say volume. This is a really good storyline. Flint does a great job. Flint, I think, has become de facto that like the. The artist you go to for uh, Dread Epics these days. Like, for example, yeah. he drew part of Trifecta. He drew part of End of Days. He drew all of the small house. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he draws all of Titan and and, and, and Calatus. You know, he, he, Flint is the Dread guy yeah. um, these days. And completely deservedly. Mm-hmm. I, I think Flint's art is is uh, simultaneously a callback to classic 2080. And something very different and very much itself. Mm-hmm. And I, I think he does what he does incredibly well. I agree with you with Colin McNeil. Colin McNeil's art is, if Flint's art is hyper detailed and hyper focused and you know incredibly full of information, McNeil is almost the entire end of the spectrum. It's yeah. so clean. Mm-hmm. It's so open. Yeah. But his character acting is amazing. His staging is oh. amazing. Yeah. Like he, he's he's so good at his what he does. Yeah. Exactly. Even even the even the. Hmm. 
yeah, it's all good. It's just, it's just, yeah, it's the kind of art that just, you, you, it, I just feel good looking at it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just incredibly well done. Ben uh, Wilshire, I'm not crazy about, honestly. Uh, it's, it's interesting because when I started Day of Chaos, I think because we had finished Volume 40, just was all the artists were on. And that's not always the case. But my first was like, ah, ugh, this stuff is ugly. And I think, I think to his credit, it's, I mean, you know, a, he's drawing a sequence about a serial killer who's more or less able to hide because he works in, in, in Resic, you know, um, or Recyc, I guess. Uh, and, but, ugh. Um, and then Lee Gallagher's work is also, like, both, both Wusher and Gallagher remind, make me feel like when I was picking up 2000 AD, that was the level of art that i was getting flint wasn't as wasn't no, I, I, as often you know yeah I, and to be fair like i i think i'd agree that wilshire and, and gallagher are both like less of my taste sure they both do the job they do um they you know they they don't do the job as stylishly as a flint or a mcneil but you know they they, they like i said they get the job done I don't, uh, I don't like the rendering, but I will admit that if you look at Ben Wilshire's visual storytelling, I think he he is a he does some really strong visual storytelling with Wagner's script. That that I impressive. I do think that Gal. What's funny is I think that Gallagher's really close to Charlie Adlard for me. Mm, mm-hmm. Incredibly close to Charlie Adlard. So part of me is like, I'm surprised you don't like him more because you you rate Adlard a lot. I. I do. Adlard actually um, strips things out a little more. Gallagher's got some really lovely sequences in uh, the second day of action, uh, uh, day of chaos, especially when the judges uh, invade the soft compound. Just really just strong storytelling. And also I think the cartooning gets better. I also really like Gallagher draws dread as kind of old and semi-desiccated looking and i think he, yeah he draws a really wrinkled dread which is yeah. really fun yeah it's really fun I, and really, really appropriate like dread. yeah yeah um, i think so too but but again uh, i would i wouldn't say there's a bad artist in these volumes do you know what i mean like i think we've i think we've seen outright bad artists in dread and i don't think there's a bad artist in these volumes. <laughs> oh thank god there was no like oh hey here comes senku to draw the finale no but you know what i mean like i oh, i i do i, yeah. I, 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 I I don't think there's a bad artist here at all. That said, you know, you look back at the, some of the cover artwork and holy crap, like yeah. the galleries at the back, there's some not good covers in those galleries. There really but, um, are, yeah. It's like in oof. terms of like the the, the, the storytelling, I, I I do think it's it's overall pretty sharp. Yeah. Okay. A, I'm trying to lead us towards a, a, an end, but also I'm I'm trying to shift us onto a different topic first. It's fair to say these are draw not draws. It is yes. It is it is fair to say that these these are about as as drock as it gets. As drock as it gets. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to ask you, Jeff, as we close off drock. Mm-hmm. You were a dread newbie for all intents and purposes when we started this. Yeah. And admittedly, we started this four years ago, right? Right. But but still, like, where's your head at with all of this now? You know. Like, 
you have had a fairly concentrated like exposure to dread right as a result of this and i think that you know i even as you know your podcast partner in these i could tell there was a point where you went from like i think i like these two like i have feelings about this i can tell when something is good dread and bad dread and i can tell when something is the stories i want to read and something's like stories i don't want to read you know there's a point where for want of a better way of putting it you became a fan oh yeah (laughs) well uh, so i think that i think there's there's multiple ways of of looking at it and i think i think the you know I think the way is that I'm kind of a hydroponic dread fan, you know, like uh, instead instead of a dread fan that was like grown out in the wild over time, like I was grown in a hot house in 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 a really specific maybe not even that easy to replicate um situation you know and so i think i have a very i do have some weird different situations i am definitely uh well so there's a few things a i'm i'm definitely a dread fan cuz i feel that i found find myself thinking and planning about the next dread volumes that i want to read um and i think that that's a I think that's a good sign. Interestingly enough, I feel like because it has been four years, I think there was a period where we were reading the good stuff and you'd be like, oh man, it was so good. It made me like, I read 300 pages into the next volume. Or I basically sat down and I reread, you know, all of Rob Williams's Dread stuff with Flint and I just love it so much. And I was like, yeah, I'm perfectly fine waiting until next month and and tucking into it like it was sort of it it went it it was it went from being homework in uh, on in a class that I was flailing in to kind of homework in a class that I felt that I appreciated and only toward the end did it get to the point where I'm like oh this isn't really it, it, like even the the golden rut as uh we referred to it which i think was coined by a listener and god bless I'm, i apologize for not nailing it down uh who but the golden rut was definitely a thing where like the dread stuff was good enough but i i didn't necessarily feel that it was for lack of a better term vital but i was uh, in terms of like I'm, I was glad that I read it, but I didn't necessarily have the fervor of God help me the way that I might about Batman or Spider-Man where I'm like, oh, I wonder what those guys are doing. You know what I mean? And part of that is because they were there since childhood. They were a piece of of myself that I'm more or less checking in on when I say that I'm checking in on them dread is is a very concentrated dose over my last four years and it's only towards the end of it that i sort of found myself being like oh yeah dread i want to keep reading 
dread. Now, the part that is going to make you roll your eyes, and I apologize because it's the sort of thing that you don't... Like, I'm using it as much as a form of shorthand, but basically it's not really like there's a lot of people who are like, oh man, I wonder what the Watchmen are up to. You know what I mean? Apart from Jeff Johns, who apparently is really trying to make that a thing. But the thing that drives me insane at the end of this four years is I find myself being unbelievably fucking frustrated at the fact that this shit is not bigger and better like they're like better received and understood in the world like the day of chaos clearly there's trade paperbacks there are people who are reading it there's there's probably tens of thousands of people who've read and and day of chaos and really appreciate it and tens of thousands of people who have followed dread this whole time in real time but i'm stunned by how many solid pieces of comic narrative that should be like at the fucking top like i really remember i don't even remember what the storyline was but i remember being like why isn't this being fucking taught in schools you know and and i really particularly after walking out of day of chaos i'm like you know what i gotta tell you like i kind of had this feeling of like not enough people read Day of Chaos, because I have to say, the number of people who referenced Day of Chaos when we were going through fucking COVID was really slight. Like, it's clear more people have read Stephen King's The Stand. Like, a lot of people reference The Stand. I get it. It's a plague novel, sure. But when you're talking about a, 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 a novel about a plague that manages to take hold because people can no longer believe authority because authority has been lying to them and yanking their chain and this is happening in the middle of trump you know that there's stories about you know like literally at one point in day of chaos like people the the they talk about how the toxic smoke from the fires actually drives enough people back indoors that 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 more or less some of the fighting is alleviated for a bit or the streets empty out and that just feels like such a horrifically telling detail anyway all of which is to say like if i read day of chaos like two years before i would have been losing my fucking mind going through COVID. and part of me is like there should have been way 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 more people reading this stuff i think i think the dread in some ways is locked in a very uniquely frustrating position in that i genuinely believe that these are some of the best graphic narratives being told like in english um but because dread is in a way like batman and and but also but but harder to grab your brain around like it's batman is just weirdly just such an easier thing to wrap your brain around he's a guy who dresses like he's a billionaire who dresses like a bat okay his parents were died and he and he created he became so obsessive 
that he became the ultimate crime fighter. Okay. Kind of weird, but it's kind of a, you can go with it. It's not like, well, he's the ultimate lawman in the city of the future, but you also have to dot, 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 dot. Like Judge Dredd is such a peculiar, so peculiarly complex that it drives me nuts that arguably I would say more people in America have read One Piece, Naruto, Lone Wolf, and Cub. Mm -hmm. Like, literally Mm -hmm. stuff that was published in another language, in another culture, you know, and is more familiar with it than something that is so ridiculously close. Um, And yet somehow still so weirdly inaccessible. Uh, Or not accessed. I don't know if it's inaccessible. Like, I really find myself at the end of four years of Drock being like, how... And it's ironic because we're wrapping up podcasting all together because there is no, probably no bigger moot point question for me than like, how do I manage to get more people to read Judge Dredd? Like, and how much of it is needed? Like, you know, again, because Batman's pretty easy in theory, you know, you can read something just as fucking stupid as Hush, you know, is perfect. You can hand it to a newbie and it's like, oh, all the all the big characters are there and they get their pages and you understand like, oh, Batwoman and Bat, Batwoman, Batman and Catwoman want a bone. Joker wants to like fuck things up like Ra's al Ghul wants to bear his chest like it all makes sense in a way <laughs> is that what he wants to do yeah it's I mean if you look at it Graham like it really is like at a certain point the subtext point, is there <laughs> it's just there it's barely subtext it's always it's always like hey I'm here to destroy Gotham City look at my nipples you know it's just it's just it's strange strange Ra's al Ghul really needs to be um he needs to get in touch with his inner exhibitionist. Like, honestly, one, just one or two visits to a nudist colony, and I swear to God, six Batman events would not have had to I think I think that he is in touch with his inner exhibitionist, and that's the problem. Oh, you do. See, this is this is where you and I are different, Graham. I totally understand. <laughs> you're you're well, like... We, we can't stop the podcast now. We've got to argue about Rachel Ghoul for a, a while longer. Rachel Ghoul and his and his and his chest bearing obsession. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, this will have to keep going for a bit. Uh, actually, no, I know that we're honestly, Graham. I know it seems terrifying, but we're just a little over two hours. So, I mean, you know, no, I'm, no, I'm no, I, no, I was, I was, I was saying that we should not quit. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. Yeah, so basically so that I can convince people, uh, you and I can argue about Raza Ghul and hopefully I can convince people, but also figure out figure out a way. Like, I just, it is, it's stunning. Wagner, that's the thing. Like, I'm not, like, Dread is an interesting character. It's an amazing series. But, like, walking out of this, I'm like, Wagner's, like, one of the comic greats man i mean yeah why wagner wagner is easily one of the best writers of comics absolutely like fucking like he he just is and that's just based on dread and that's not touching everything else he's written which is 
an astonishing career that has lasted for like half a century. Yeah. One of the things that Chloe's working on for the, the God Review this, this month is basically a like John Wagner's underrated piece. Yeah. Uh, and it's true. Yeah. Like John Wagner legitimately is underrated. There's mm-hmm. no way that you can look just at Dread and not think John Wagner is one of the best writers who's ever written for comics. I, I certainly and do. And again, that's ignoring, that's ignoring right. Strontium Dog. That's ignoring, like, Bogeyman. That's ignoring all of the other stuff. The Last American. Jeff, have you ever read The Last American? No, and I really should. I, I totally it's, absolutely it's should. It's Wagner, Grant, and Mick McMahon. Yeah. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. post-apocalyptic for epic in like the late 1980s yeah i think i bought and it, read the first issue of it in fact yeah uh, it's amazing yeah. like it's genuinely amazing like wagner is you're right you know i i firmly believe that dread is one of the crowning achievements of comics yeah i think it is and i think it becomes more so the longer it continues mm. you know um but even above and beyond that Wagner is is just, you know, one of the greatest writers of comics. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. And it's fascin it's fascinating to see like Wagner created Dread, co created with Iskara, and then through the the mir- the miracle of the two thousand AD launch and the way people were being treated, like neither Iskara nor Wagner end up doing the first dread story and it's actually a while before they pop up and wagner is because of the weird way in which 2000 ad and rebellion operate and i really do have to give them credit i think again to flip back um when i was subscribed to both 2000 ad and the magazine the magazine had a big chunk of itself not not just the 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 pack-in graphic novels of of previously unreprinted stuff which i adored but there was also a lot of um interviews with the creators and coverage of specific time and 2000 ad slash rebellion seemed to have hit on a very smart idea of essentially continuing to promote and document the people who were working on 2000 AD and uh I I I was I have to say it killed me to to hit to go online and search Google search on uh Day of Chaos and find so little on it you know like admittedly i wasn't doing a very sophisticated google lean so part of it is like once you get past the wikipedia entry and the book listings um yeah you know but i i i i know i've mentioned it before but at a certain point i became obsessed with the idea that we would somehow get wagner on here and interview him i want i wanted that so badly in part because the Engelhart stuff worked out so well but but also i just feel like there is not enough documentation in a way about how this stuff was created and what this person was thinking and how it just it just seems so incredibly 
invaluable. I think I told you, well, I told you, like at one point, my obsession with Wagner's writing while doing Drock really became this idea of like, right, Wagner cares like the, the craft years where I really was like, this is a guy who really just crafts stuff amazingly well and and cares about it in a way which is why his comedy stuff is funny like and there's always twists and things that you don't see coming that he he layers in so well and i would just i would just love to find out like who are those precedents for that you know is it just him is it just writing all those pages like it's i think the thing that is probably a huge plus um in the long run but feels like such a loss for me is is that wagner is he's no alan moore you know what i mean like I know what Alan Moore's beard looks like. I know what his lack of sleeves look like. I know the name of his, like, serpent puppet god that he worships, you know? Like, there's so much that I know. I don't know balls about Wagner. It's very few pieces. And I don't necessarily know, in a way, what's important to him which is an amazing thing to say about someone that you've been reading for 40 plus years because he's just that good about telling stories and kind of not kind of not necessarily even messaging wise again it's like that idea of like is dread a hero is he a villain like wagner says yes and he says he'll say one one time and one the other time and then sometimes he'll say them both in the the level of the whole narrative and and he really seems to do things that that i don't know it, it's just it's it's such a stunning achievement so to answer your uh question graham i don't know Thanks for that, Jeff. <laughs> um, how about you? What's there? Did you? I mean, you were a Dread fan before. What? Did, what did? What did? Did you learn anything doing Drock for me apart from the fact that I I talk too much and and I mean that's something that you already knew. But I was gonna you... say, oh, Jeff, I already knew that. <laughs> <laughs> I learned to appreciate the long game of dread mm -hmm. in a different way mm -hmm. because so much of what i'd read before were like either i'd read it in the progs mm -hmm. which is just a different experience right yeah yeah or i'd read collections mm -hmm. where stories that would be published months apart would be put together mm -hmm. and you really do learn to appreciate the rhythm of dread as a weekly uh, serial Right. If you read the case files mm -hmm. and of the long game and of the fact that, you know, stories will start and then fuck off mm -hmm. and then come back. And when it is a good writer, when it's someone who does it well, it comes back in such a way that is surprising and exciting and valuable. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not talking about, uh, you know, the fists of Stan Lee here. <laughs> but... <laughs> Or are you? 
or am I? Um, or raptor. Uh, but there is like a rhythm to dread, I think, mm-hmm. um, that I really learned to appreciate through Drog. Uh, I learned to appreciate eras of dread more. Mm-hmm. Not only the concept of like, you know, oh, here we have this era and then we have this era, but also like, I think that I had written off a lot of like the late 90s, early 2000s as kind of a wasteland, and it's not. There's some great stuff there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think, I, if anything, I may actually dislike the Ennis era more. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, that, that really helped. And I, I've said this. Not about you, but actually about like the ten-year-olds. There's something to be said for reapproaching material you're familiar with uh, through someone else's eyes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something really valuable about that that I I really deeply appreciated doing this with you. Mm. I'm glad I did too. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, that that was. I really I'm really glad we did it. Mm-hmm. I, I, it made me like Dread more as well. Mm-hmm. I was already a pretty fucking big Dread fan. Yeah, right. But this made me like Dread more. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's funny that I suggested it. I have to say, <laughs> here comes the section yeah, where Jeff is. takes credit. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, no, we finished. Like we finished up FF, and I, I really was like, oh, we should do DC, and I was like, we should really do Dread. Like I really wanted to, to to push myself into an area where, like not only that where I didn't really know anything, but also just because I felt like, um, it was it was it you know, it was clear from doing wait what with you that you were a big fan and really passionate about it, and I had tried for a couple of years and it was kind of a it was a, it was a thing. You know, you're not the only one. It would be one thing if, you know, this was all lost to time. But there are a lot of passionate 2000 AD fans and really passionate Dread fans. And it was it was fun to be able it the idea of cracking that. And um, that 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 I do feel a certain amount of satisfaction. Like I really do. Do you feel that you do you feel that you became one? A Dread fan? Uh, definitely no no like, but like a, a, a passion like a passionate fan of one oh, better way of putting it. Uh, yeah i i hmm you know uh well first first and foremost a passionate fan of john wagner uh absolutely mm-hmm. positively and also like so many of the artists that 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 worked uh on dread over the years just fabulous it's been a just a real um, delight and masterclass for me. Um, also seeing so much of it again, like by the time it became natural, but like, holy shit, the shorter format of the dread stories, especially when they started. But even then it got to the point where it was like, Oh, it settled into a leisurely eight pages, you know, or whatever. Um, yeah, I think, I think, I'm I'm very proud of myself for feeling like an educated reader of dread like like mm-hmm. you said I mm-hmm. feel like I I know what I like and I think I can even explain why and how things vary um and 
yeah, I think the best thing to do is check in with me in a year because I really, between the last few volumes of the case files and especially jumping, I think one thing that was lovely about jumping ahead for Day of Chaos is there's so much stuff that I know from reading 40 volumes of case files that I'm like, wait a minute, Dan Francisco's the head judge. Hold on, PJ maybe was the mayor. Wait, what's this about Fargo? Like, there's a whole bunch of, like, stuff that I want to go back. I really want to go back and read those arcs, you know, Origins and, and mm-hmm. Tour of Duty. Really want to read those. Um, but, yeah, definitely finish and finishing this up. This is a, there is, Day of Chaos is kind of a way in which, like, I... I don't know. I'd be very curious. I do think I think that I think that the case files having the complete case files is so it is both the best and worst way to experience dread. You know what I mean? Like I just feel like on the one hand, like you said, you you get a sense of the eras, you get a sense of the rhythm of dread, you get an appreciation for the long game um you just get to see so much like even like relatively early on um again those early wagner grant volumes just seem to pop where it's like yeah. five or six page stories and something kind of new and brilliant and exciting and again something that's practically like the heyday of eisner's the spirit and yet um that, that if you just read, like, I don't know, you know, something like the Eagle reprint best of stuff, like, it, it once you get past the Boland or the Greatest Hits kind of stuff, you're kind of like, eh, I don't really know. Like, the art's pretty, but do I like this? I don't even really know what, what it's about, you know. Um, Case Files is great, but yeah, like, I really am. Part of me is like... <laughs> They should teach a class, and that sounds so ridiculous because I don't feel like that is a thing that that really happens very often about pop culture. I mean, unless it's like mm-hmm. stupendously big, but I almost feel like dread is something <laughs> that should be taught in schools. Uh, that that just is at some weird level of I don't. I don't I don't know how anyone else is going to be able to really get into dread without doing 46 episodes of a podcast with their best friend. But they should, <laughs> you know, like they really should. They should find that best friend and they should get these volumes and they should just do their version of Drock. And I think I think that's they'll be in feel incredibly um, rewarded for doing so. I mean, that's really a place to wrap it up. But the problem is we're not there yet. Okay, we really are because I'm going to do this very quickly. Matt Murray asked on Twitter, a question for your final episode of Drock. That's this one. Do you think Dredd or Anderson will ever be allowed to die or will their lives just keep getting extended for as long as 2080 exists? Anderson will die. Mm. Dredd, I think, won't. Um, I think there are I think there are ways to extend the Dredd strip without Dredd. Mm-hmm. Not least of which Rico, I think. Right, but um, but I think Dread won't. The only, only way I think that is going to not be the case is if Wagner asks them to kill Dread. 
Right. I think if Wagner asks them to kill Dredd, all bets are off. I'd be curious. I have to say, it makes a lot of sense to me that either, essentially, that this Dredd dies, um, and honestly, I would overshoot Rico, but yeah, and just, just come up, bring another clone. Just bring another clone, you know. And no, maybe... but that's just it. Like the the mechanic exists to yeah, do that, right? Exactly, and, and has been so rooted in the strip that yeah. it doesn't even feel like a cheat. No, exactly, oh. exactly. Um, but I also think that the mechanic to keep Dread around has also been left in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because the, you know he is at this point what ninety. <laughs> Right. No, that can't be. he's got to be like close to 70. He's got to be pushing 70 or 80 at this point. Mm-hmm. For real. Because it's comics been around for 45 years. Right. And I want to say he was like 25 or something when it started. Yeah. Um, You know, so, yeah, he like, Dread, Dread, Dread is not a young man. Right. But they, you know, they have pushed in like, you know, oh, he can regenerate. Oh, you know, he's got cybernetic right. implants. He's got cyborg and, you know, parts, yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like you can keep, you can keep Dread going for, for a long time. You've, you you uh, have had people in the stories, rich people who are into well into their hundreds. You know. Yeah, uh, exactly. You know, yeah. like like the mechanic exists to do this. Yeah. I just, uh, I think they're going to keep Dread around. I think Anderson will die. Interesting. And to be like weird about it, I wonder if Anderson's going to die sooner rather than later, mm-hmm. just because she was so tied with Alan Grant. Mm-hmm. And Alan Grant did, mm-hmm. and I, I do wonder if if they would just do that. To be honest, yeah, um, we'll see. Right. We we will we will see what they what they end up doing with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I I should say, so I recommended some titles for people to read if they wanted to. The Christmas issue of 2080 is out, I think, next week. Um. There's a there's a bunch of good stuff in there, not least of which Kevin O'Neill's final comics work is in there. Right. Um because he does the Bon Jo from Beyond the Stars uh revival with Garth Ennis. Mm-hmm. Um but there is a a tribute to um Alan Grant in there. Uh, a, a dread strip that's a tribute to Alan Grant. Oh. Uh drawn by Robin Smith and uh written by uh Gordon Rennie. And it's really touching and it's really nice. Hmm. And it's 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 very firmly uh you know, um you know, not in continuity if that makes sense. Which is yeah. funny because the dread strip, the, the the regular dread strip is written by uh, Ken Neiman and starts more or less with like this isn't in continuity <laughs> uh, which is really funny. Um but the, the Alan Grant tribute in there is really lovely. Hmm. So I, I, I do recommend the, the Christmas 2008. Also, it previews or it has a teaser image for something coming next year, which I just didn't I didn't know was happening. And I find myself surprisingly excited about, which is Garth Ennis is doing a Rogue Trooper revival. Ooh, that might be interesting. Yeah. Right? Right, right, right. Yeah. Honestly, that... It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. That could be great. That's... Because, like... Ennis loves his war stories, and Rogue Trooper's always at its best when it's basically an old school World War II story with the, you know, with some science fiction elements thrown yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that could, could be great. Excellent. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. Huh. Um. Anyway, so yeah, I would recommend those things. Um, Prague 2012. Jack, 
Sorry. Prog uh, 2012. Is, that, is it? it? No. 2012. Prog 2012 is where Al Ewing's Choose Your Own Xmas dress. Oh, story yes, 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 yes. So yes. for people, I it's, highly it's the, recommend. Okay. Yeah. It's Sorry. the other 2012, I should say, because there's two Prog 2012s. What? You're looking for the yeah, you're looking for the one that was published. If you're on the digital store, if you're on the 2000 web store, you're looking for the one that was published in 2011. Mm-hmm. Okay, which is now called Prog 2012 X or Prog 2012 Christmas Story, Christmas issue or something like that. Right. That's the one you're looking for. Uh, this year's Christmas story, uh, Christmas issue is Prog 2330, uh, 2311. Wow. Yes. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, I, sorry. I, no, I'm sorry. It's 2312, um, which features The Last Temptation of Joe by Ken Neiman and Lee Carter. Uh, if you think that's a revival of Dread versus the Devil, you're right. Mm. Um, there's a Rogue Trooper story by Keck W, Warwick Fraser Com, and Jim Campbell. Bonjo from Beyond the Stars, like I said. The beginning of the new series of The Outs by Dan Abnett and Mark Harrison. There's a Joe Pineapple story, the ABC Warriors character by Pat Mills and Simon Bisley, of oh, all people. Um, there's a, a, another episode of Hope by Guy Adams and Jimmy Brixton. There's an Ace Trucking Company revival by Carl Stock and Nick Dyer. Wow. Uh, and there's the Gordon Rennie, Robin Smith, uh, Judge Dredd Troublemaker story. It's great. It's really good. That sounds fabulous. Uh, and for people who are curious about the magazine, it's Prog 451 is out uh, on the 14th of December, which is, I'm doing quick math in my head, like Wednesday, I think. Yes. And it has a bunch of new stories in there, but also it's a new format. They've actually gotten rid of the, the additional graphic novel. And they started publishing reprints in the magazine itself. And the reprints this time, really interestingly enough, are two of the IDW Dread stories. They have the first part of Judge Dread Year One by Matt Smith and Simon Colby, and the first part of Judge Dread Mega City Two by Douglas Wolk and Ulysses Verinus. Really? Wow. Yep. That's yep. A, there's also uh there's a Rob there's a Rob Williams and Will Conrad Dread. There's a Ken Neiman and Stuart Moore Dread. Uh, there's a Dark Judges strip in there. Alish Cott is continuing to do Devil and Waugh, and he's amazing. And Wagner and Colin Deal are continuing Surfer, which is also just really fucking good. Wow. Yeah, Surfer is something that I think you'll be really into. Yeah, I, I'd be. I think so. I think so. That that is. It's definitely... it's Wagner and Colin Deal doing essentially like noir chopper, for want of a better way of putting it. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I think you'd really, really dig it. I think you'd really like it. Hmm. Anyway, I was trying to wrap things up. Jeff, I was trying to wrap things up. I know. We are, there's going to be show notes for this up on Monday because it's me uh, at waitwhatpodcast.com. Uh, while you're waiting, we are on Twitter at waitwhatpodcast. Jeff is on Twitter at lazybastid, at L-A-Z-Y-B-A-S-T-I-D. I'm on Twitter at Graham M, at G-R-A-E-M-E-M. Uh, we are a Patreon-supported podcast. This exists and has existed for the last four years uh, because of you lovely people from Patreon. And Jeff is going to say something about Patreon, even though next week's the last episode. So, Jeff, take it away. Take it away. Yes, I shall. Uh, you guys, um, hmm, yeah, wow. This is going to be so, this is so hard right now. Uh, 
we just we have done this for like a ridiculously long time and I'm I'm not just talking about this particular episode although I think Graham tomorrow when editing it will definitely think so I but might I might be mad at you Jeff I'm I, not I, I kind of get it I kind of get it I I I was just remember that one where we we went on for like an hour oh god you know? no I do I do I yeah I also remember the last like one of the recent waybots where we got up for like three hours yeah so. exactly yeah. so no, I, I I'm like put in my dues here but yeah no 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 I agree Graham still un- slightly unfair to you but uh, we have done the podcast, wait what, for an incredibly long time, and it was a way for us to do um, like a number of things all at once. Uh, and, uh, a way for us to, to talk regularly, a way for us to, <laughs> this is so great, contribute content to the Savage Critic website in a way that would be quote-unquote easier than writing. Boy, was I wrong about that. Uh, but... <laughs> It is to laugh. <laughs> but one of the things that has been really wonderful is it's been a way to have a conversation with each other and with comics culture and with you, the listeners. Uh, the number of stories that we've heard about people um, basically yelling at us. <laughs> in their car or in transit or with someone else in the room or maybe it's just laughing a lot but sometimes the number of people who talk about correct yelling out corrections to us in a way that they themselves found personally unnerving is been uh, a a sign of the um passion with which you have um greeted our absurd passions and we're hugely grateful for it it's managed to keep a dynamic going for again 13 years it's a long 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 time might have been you know, like i'm like yeah it's longer than like jack kirby and stan lee on the fantastic four and blah 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 comic nerds will never and stop like comic stan lee and jack kirby on the fantastic four we changed comics for good <laughs> we did absolutely did you know unfortunately then we kept going and we changed it back again so that's kind of on us uh we also are incredibly (laughs) grateful to the people of patreon who not only um supported us with their ears but also a little bit of their hard-earned dosh we're incredibly grateful for that believe me as i start looking into trying to figure out how to extend the hosting so these podcasts can exist after we stop doing them and stop charging money for their Patreon people charging, asking for money via Patreon. It's all so very confusing. But it has gone on for an impressively long period of time, thanks to you all, and we're incredibly grateful. I want to give a special shout-out to Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy, for her continued support of this podcast, of the galaxy, of the realm, of Mega City One, of all things big and small. We thank you, Audrey. Uh, Graham? That's it for Drog, everyone. Right? Yeah. Um, which is weird. Which is genuinely weird, you guys. Um, we will be back next week with The Last Wait Walk, which I think Jeff and I are both in denial about. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, no, really. I think we're both in denial about it. Um, but until then, it's The Last Drog, which, Jeff, you can't see the regular thing. I know. So, sing us out in a different way, I guess. All right. 
struck. This is a warning, citizen. I'm going to let you off. But if I see it again, I'm going to make you report to the Isocubes. Just go home. <laughs> Count your blessings. There we go. Oh my god, I love this so much. <laughs> I have to mute myself because I was laughing so much. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, okay, we're done, everyone.